You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. We do have a lot to get to today in this very unfortunate uh, loss. I will say my score prediction was almost dead on. I just had the teams wrong. 25-24, Atlanta Falcons. Look, man, um, I mean, Packernet after dark was a little bit, well, dark, I guess. Uh, the callers called in and made some great points that I agree with, and that's what we focused on. But um, although there were some negatives, I, I, I kind of want to just give my honest assessment, which I think overall is more positive. I went into this game essentially saying, in what universe should we expect the Packers to win this game? I know the Falcons uh, haven't been world beaters, but let's start there for an example. This isn't the same old Falcons that we've seen for the last two to three years that have been a complete joke in the NFL. In fact, I think it was Herman. I can't remember exactly who, but somebody was doing an interview with a different Falcons person, and they kind of he he alluded to the fact that they've had 2023 circled for a long time as the year that they kind of kind of come out of the darkness, right? They went into this deep dark hole, a financial ruin hole, and now they've kind of emerged. And look, they they've got a premier wide receiver, they have a premier running back, they have a premier tight end. And they have a really good offensive line. On top of that, they have, as I've mentioned, a really good corner, two really good defensive tackles, a good linebacker, and a top safety in the NFL. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know that the Falcons are some uh, elite football team, but but I, I want to erase the idea that this is a complete garbage football team because I don't think that it is. So again, two weeks we've been on the road. We go into this game... Jordan Love has very little experience. His number one wide receiver is gone. His number one, uh, number two wide receiver, I believe, is still working through some some uh, injury stuff. His number three wide receiver is a rookie. His number four wide receiver is a late round, mid round rookie, wherever you want to put fifth round. His tight end is a rookie. His superstar left tackle did not play. We'll get to that. His superstar left guard goes out. His superstar running back that won us the game last week is out. I mean, come on. There, there really should have been no further expectations than 24 points. In fact, if you told me that the Packers are going to score 24 points, that really is pretty fantastic. 24 is, again, in my mind, that's sort of the standard football number. 24 is just a very basic NFL number for, for a score. I think if you're above that, you did really good. If you did below that, I mean, there's probably a range somewhere between 21 and 24. That's fine. But much below that, and it wasn't that great of a performance. 24 is a solid performance for any NFL offense. And we did it under the circumstances that I laid out for you. Now, the defense is a little bit of a different story. But at the end of the day, again, I, I, I just, before this game started, I looked at it and I said, that this, this is a game that the Falcons absolutely need to win. If they're going to be taken even a little bit seriously, you have to beat a team that is just starting to get its sea legs, that is just starting to understand how to play in the NFL, and has lost probably their top four offensive pieces, all gone. Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, 
Christian Watson, Elton Jenkins. You could argue that there's somebody else mixed in there if you want to say Dobbs is better than one of them or something. I would potentially argue those are our four best offensive pieces. And I'm watching Jordan Love confidently work in the pocket and distribute the ball to Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks. And I'll be honest, I don't think Wicks was open once. (laughs) And he had what could have been a two-touchdown game. And, by the way, the offense was able to do that with essentially zero run game. Nothing. The offensive line cannot run block to save its life. And A.J. Dillon just, I mean, he'd, he'd freaking trip over a puddle, I swear. That, that is, if, if there's anything else, if, if, if there's one massively positive thing I could say, it's that. How, in, in what freaking universe, if Aaron Rodgers in 2020 was given this situation, by the way, no Devontae, no Aaron Jones, no David Bakhtiari, no Elton Jenkins, no Christian Watson, I know he wasn't there in 2020, you get nobody that you're familiar with. You get rookie Jaden Reed, rookie Luke Musgrave, and rookie Duntavian Wicks, and no run game. What happens? Maybe, maybe, maybe he can squeeze out 24. Maybe he throws up 35 points. I don't know. I don't think so. We've seen this for years. You put Aaron Rodgers in that environment with a bunch of guys he's not familiar with, it doesn't go well. You put him behind an offensive line with those guys who are not there, you you take away the run game. How easily have we seen the Packers get frustrated when when they become one-dimensional like that? I think we'd be in a similar situation or possibly worse. And this isn't meant to be Jordan Love versus Aaron Rodgers. I'm just trying to give some perspective because we look at these guys differently, right? We see Jordan Love and we're like, okay, that was th- those parts are good and those parts are bad. I don't know what to think about them. I want to change the perspective because I'm saying if you had Aaron Rodgers in here, maybe he gets to 24. I would be shocked if he did any better. And the reason that, that it's worthwhile bringing that up is, is to put a different spin on it to show that it was actually a really quite good performance. Everything gets better when everything else gets better. Obviously, things are going to be better if Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins are in the game. Running the ball is going to be better, and the pass protection is going to be better. He was hit on a couple of those throws that, that landed in the middle of no man's land. At least two that I remember, he got hit, and that messed up the trajectory of the ball. How much better does a run game get if you have the offensive line and Aaron Jones in there? How much, how much easier is it to operate when you have Christian Watson stretching the field out? So from an offensive perspective, look, it's not perfect, and, and Jordan's still got to clean some stuff up, and everybody does, right? I mean, things, things honestly started to get sloppy down the stretch from everybody. I mean, Jordan's making the wrong calls, and he tries to sneak it, and then he doesn't even get the ball, and everyone's looking at him like, what the heck are you doing? He said the wrong word. I mean, this, this is, I don't want to say rookie, but you know what I mean. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a young team making young team mistakes. I am I, generally excited about the offense. Um, there, there are concerns, but... Jordan continues to impress me. There, there are concerns about like what happens if he doesn't clean this up. What is it going to look like long term? That, that for sure. And the stats are not gar- gargantuan. You look at it, and it's like three touchdowns, but he had like 150 passing yards. That's not super great. And you take away the touchdowns, which, I mean, you can't, but if you do, it's not super great. But still, it wasn't supposed to be great. This, this, this was supposed to be a game... That the defense looks at the offense and says, listen, we got you. I understand. This is not about you. This is about us. We are the ones that are going to dominate this game. What I'm telling you is if you can get to 14 points, we got you. That's what this game should have been. The defense needed to absolutely freaking ball out and help out the offense because the offense, there's no reason to expect anything from this offense. And I know that's not how most people feel, but let's be completely honest about this. The Falcons should, the Falcons offense against the Packers offense 
it really shouldn't even be close. I mean, with the exception of the quarterbacks, obviously. And that you could debate that the Packers should be better, and I think that that's fair. But th- this is a this is a this is the second game that this team has played. I mean, come on. This needed to be the defense stepping up and saying, this is on you, right? And I, I would be willing to bet anything that that conversation was had. That in the defensive meeting rooms with Joe Barry and the rest of the guys, they're like, listen, this is on us. The offense needs our help in this game. And how much help did they get? Well, let's take a look at it. Let's look at the drives. So the Falcons started, first play, interception. Great start, right? Then it was score, stopped him on downs, score, punt, Score, 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 score. They scored on six drives out of nine. Six out of nine. We scored on four out of ten. The defense cannot give up six scores on nine drives. That's bullcrap, especially against a guy who is, I mean, this is, he's one of the worst quarterbacks in football, man. I know they got studs, but that's unacceptable. Um, and that, that, that to me is the biggest takeaway. Now, obviously, the, the, the question has arisen, is it Joe Barry? Is it the players? The honest answer is always it's a mixture of both. But as I said yesterday, at some point, the buck stops with the big guy, and that's Joe Barry. If your guys aren't playing right, if they're not tackling right, if they're not in the right spot, if they don't know what they're supposed to be doing, if you're calling all the exact right plays and your guys just don't know what they're doing, that still ends up being on you, man. You have to have an answer. We can't just sit here and throw up our hands and go, I don't know, man, maybe five or six more first-round picks and we'll be there. This isn't a solution. Somebody has to do something. And so, again, I'm going to let the film guys go back and take a look and see what they see. And I think one of the things that I would like the film guys to do, rather than just looking at the play and saying, okay, here's the play, was it executed, is looking at the situation and saying, what should we have done here? And did we do that? Before we look at pass-fail for the players. Because as I said yesterday, we, we, we will give Joe Barry a pass if we can find somebody that made a mistake. But that's not the right criteria. It starts with, was this the right play call? And it's hard because there's a hundred different play calls that could have been called there. And it's hard to know every single one and what the outcome would have been. But I think that needs to be the, the, the start of this. What is the thought process behind this? And then even looking backwards, okay, here's the play that they ran. What would be the absolute best play call to stop that play? Did we call that? Because some of this is really just going to come down to calling the right play for what your opponent is going to be doing. And, and look, if, again, if the film guys can go back and say, look, Joe Barry called the exact right play call on 90% of the time, I have no idea, I don't have any metrics to go on to know what the, the, the right amount is, but just making up numbers, 90% of the time he's calling the exact right play to stop that, then, then, I, then I can't blame Joe Barry. But I, I just, I, I, I don't understand it. There's no excuse for this. Um, now, to be fair, the biggest issue was our inability to stop the run. And once we couldn't stop the run, that opened up everything else. And that has been a consistent problem. And let's be honest, although I think we should be better against the run, considering we do have some pieces, Kenny Clark should be able to handle it. The guys on the edge should be able to handle it. We have linebackers that should be able to handle it. At the end of the day, despite the guys that we already have, we haven't really put our foot forward, at least this year, in trying to fix that. Now, we did when we got Devondre Campbell, and we tried to fix it when we went and got Quay Walker. And we got Lucas Van Ness, and we got Rashawn Gary, these guys who are big, edge-setting guys. So it's not as though we haven't tried to do something. It's that something isn't working. 
But yeah, technically this year we went out and got pass rushers and we sold out on pass rush. And that's cool, except for the fact that the first two teams that we faced are like the most run-heavy teams in football. So maybe this will get cleaned up when we start facing teams that are a little bit more our style. Drop back passing type teams. Maybe the Saints will be a little bit more what we're looking for. You know, dial back the talent of the offensive line a little bit. Hang out in the pocket a little bit more. Please don't run so much because we can't stop that. Especially with like super shifty guys that also are powerful and can catch passes and do every freaking thing in the world. But that, that overall, that's where I'm at. This was an offensive and defensive failure. However, when you give an honest assessment of expectations, I think the, the offense over-exceeded expectations. The defense massively underperformed compared to expectations. This needed to be a game where the defense made a statement and said, we got you. We got this. Just just get me to 15 points and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll take it from there. Packers scored 24 points in a game that they had no business scoring 24 points. And we lost the game because the Falcons scored four times in a row. Field goal, touchdown, field goal, field goal. So they got to clean it up, man. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Um, you know, again, long-term vision. Same with A.J. Dillon. Like, I, I don't want to just completely throw the guy under the bus. I don't want to just be that guy that, you know, he had a bad day, so I'm just going to throw everything at him. Like, people are blaming Matt LaFleur. And it's like, well, are you actually mad at the play calls or do you have no idea what plays were actually called and you're just mad that there wasn't a lot of success? Because from what I can tell, when you're watching the game, you can't see what play was even called. So it's kind of a silly thing to blame play calling. But, you know, at the same time, you get to a point where it's like, you know what? Forget it. I'm not defending you. You want your job. Prove it. Prove something. Do something. Do anything. And if we're just going to sit around and blame the players, then, then what is the purpose of Joe Barry anyways? What's the purpose? Like, are we really just going to throw up our hands and be like, well, I'm doing the best I can. They just, they just suck. That's your job, Jagoff. Get them ready. They still don't know how to play in your scheme? They still don't know what to do? That's a problem. We should not have an offense carrying our defense. That shouldn't be happening, especially this week. I mean, good lord, man. But that's the situation, and that's how I feel about it. Yeah, and, and I just had somebody on Twitter bring up a fantastic point. Uh, Jeff at jlamke 5 he says, was it 2021 when the uh, when we went to Arizona? I think no Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Adams, Lazard, and MVS scored 24 points, and it was considered a miracle. Don't feel like a miracle that Love was in a position to get a W. Not entirely sure what that means, but the, the big point here is that is a great parallel. 2021, not exactly 2020, but still. No Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Adams, Lazard, or MVS. So you're missing wide receivers, the same two offensive linemen. Scored 24 points and won and it was a miracle. But why did they win? First of all, 24 points by the offense, considered fantastic. Second of all, why did we win? Defense came up clutch in the end, pick six to win the game. That's the difference. That's the difference in that game. The defense needed to help the offense, and they did. Maybe not as much as they should have, but they did. And we won 24-21. In this game, the defense did not show up. That was the year Aaron Rodgers won his second, or, you know, second consecutive MVP, however you want to say that. Another way to say all of this, this is from Mandy on Twitter. I'm just combing through tweets at this point. We lost by one point without Jones, Bakhtiari, and Watson. And remember, we lost Lucas Van Ness and Elton Jenkins on top of that. Lost by one point in a game that the Falcons should have won. They're supposed to win. Even with Christian Watson in, they're supposed to win. Now with Aaron Jones, I think the line, as far as Vegas is concerned, may have been on our side. 
prior to finding out that Watson and Bakhtiari were going to be out, Falcons were su- still supposed to win. And it was in Atlanta. Can you imagine in Lambeau with Bakhtiari, with Watson, with Aaron Jones, with Elton Jenkins, with a healthy Lucas Van Ness? It's a freaking blowout. It's a blowout. Anyways, why don't we take a break? We'll come back. We'll take a little bit of a step back. I want to look, just rip through some of the statistics. We'll look at the general stats. We'll look at some of the advanced stats. And uh, we'll go from there. I do want to try to get through some of the press conference stuff. We'll maybe save that for the third segment, which maybe we'll just take a break after that because that'll probably take a while. But anyways, OldSouthernBBQ.com. Please check it out. We've got a lot of people who are having uh, just absolutely cashing in right now. Lots of people sending me pictures and text messages saying that they're getting theirs. I'm telling you that box is a really good value. If you want to just kind of mix and match and pick your own, that's fine. But the, the box with the most comfortable shirt in the history of the world, really cool, sleek, um, Old Southern Barbecue, all black with the white writing on it. I was wearing that at the gym the other day, and I was like, I was on the treadmill at the front of the gym with this big Old Southern Barbecue on my back. I'm like, dude, I got to get some pa- Packernet shirts with just the logo on the back. I'm sitting here promoting the heck out of this thing, out of this business. So that's also something I need to work on. But uh, remember, Packernet 15, capital P, capital N, Packernet 15, you're going to get 15% off your order. They have award-winning sauces, uh, barbecue sauces, as well as rubs, really amazing rubs. And I was very, very excited to see that somebody decided uh, for the Packer game, they were going to have Old Southern Barbecue um, cater the party. I, I can never remember the word cater. I don't know why. But they had it catered, and the food looked amazing. So please give that a shout. Also, if you're kind of in the area, somewhere, anywhere in uh, Minneapolis, slash well let's say minnesota wisconsin anywhere in there just give them a call and um they're willing to travel to bring you the food so i would say even if you're going to be in green bay give them a call i I, i'm sure they could get out there which i think would be a freaking dope way to tailgate a party also i've been forgetting about this thank you very very much to um andrew and andy arias also brinton if i didn't say it thank you guys so so much for your support i really really appreciate that we'll take a break we'll be right back In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, take a look at the statistics here. Jordan Love, very, very odd situation. Completed just 14 of 25. Not ideal. I mean, 14 passes in general is is a low number. 
14 of 25 is not great, for only 151 yards. However, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 113.5 pass rating. This, this is like exactly like last week. You look at half of the stats, regular and advanced, and it's like, that sucks. And then you look at the other half and it's like, oh, he's like the best in, in the NFL. That's, uh, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I've never seen anything quite like it before, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to ride that train and hopefully it takes us somewhere, I guess. Uh, rushing, Jordan Love, two carries, 23 yards. A.J. Dillon, 15 carries, 55 yards, 3.7 average. I mean, it's a step up from last week. Um, I, I, again, want to go back and watch A.J. Dillon, but I don't know if it's really going to produce anything because I have a feeling it's exactly like last week. I think he took what was given to him. I don't think very much was given to him. But at the same time, if nothing else, number one, there's nothing that I saw where you look at it and go, nobody else could have done that. Or at least, you know, not a lot of other guys could do that. That was special. The only thing would be maybe pushing a pile. And usually that has to do with him kind of pushing, starting to push, and then everybody kind of comes in and starts helping out. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's not massively like, dude, that's so cool. It's just kind of, well, we, we picked up a couple extra on that. That's great. But then the biggest issue is just like I said last week, the tripping. He's constantly stumbling around. Like every, every time you look, it's like, oh, touchdown. Oh, wait, no, his knee was down like way back there because he tripped apparently. Oh, first down. Nope, he's he's a yard back because his knee hit back there. Like, what? He's tripping on air. He's tripping over his own feet. Like, the guy cannot keep his balance to save his life. I mentioned on Packer After Dark, I'm, I think at this point, pending some kind of a big breakout from him, which I'm still hoping for, um, I think we offer him a contract, but I think the contract is, is indicative of a player that is going to be a backup. You're, you're going to get number two running back money, and I don't even know what that market is, but it isn't very much. But that's just what it is. In no way has he established himself as a number one running back in which you look at it and say, we're good, we don't need anybody else. I think I look at that and say, as much as I've been skeptical of Emmanuel Wilson being able to do anything, I do wonder if he could have produced better in those spots than A.J. Dillon. And you can look and say, well, Emmanuel only had three carries, five yards, 1.7, so obviously not. No. Give him the 15 carries that A.J. Dillon had, because remember, Dillon only had 3.7, because in the midst of of those like one-yard, two-yard gains... There was occasionally a little gap there, and what I'm saying is, in those opportunities, I feel like Dylan is not maximizing those as much as most other running backs would, because they're not tripping all over the place. And no, I'm not trying to become an Emmanuel Wilson, Wilson truther, saying we should just give him the ball. I don't know that he could do better. I'm, I'm not completely against AJ Dylan. It's just becoming frustrating. And so, anyways, it's just kind of, it's just kind of that. It's just look, right now you are, you're a backup. And we have to find somebody to replace Aaron Jones at some point, because I don't think you're that guy. And that's unfortunate. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But, you know, I think we offer him what we think he's worth. And I don't know that somebody offers him more. Maybe they do. And then it just doesn't work out. And we just don't have him anymore. So I hate to just jump on the popular anti-AJ Dillon train. It's not usually my thing. I like to be a contrarian. But, you know, people bring up the points and I don't, I can't refute it at this point so you know even if you say well you know if the blocking was better da 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 yeah well first of all if what we're saying is aj Dillon can be a good running back if there's like a bunch of big wide open lanes so can literally everybody so anyways manuel wilson three carries five yards 1.7 patrick taylor one carry one yard then we get into the receivers Jaden reed eight targets just four receptions though 37 yards two touchdowns. Then you have Dontavian Wicks, 
four targets, two receptions. Again, just 50%, which is sad. But 40 yards and a touchdown. A.J. Dillon, one target, one reception, eight yards. Romeo Dobbs, three targets, two receptions, 30 yards. Luke Musgrave, three targets, two receptions, 25 yards. Josiah DeGuara, two targets, two receptions, five yards. Samori Turia caught a pass for six yards. Patrick Taylor and Malik Heath each were targeted once but did not catch it. Here's a thought that just occurred to me. What did I say coming into this game? Now, I know we didn't win, but what I said is, when the Packers have been successful in the past, largely, you know, obviously you got guys like um, Rodgers and Devontae that just make magic happen pretty consistently. But what we saw a lot was different people putting the team on their back. Romeo Dobbs wasn't that guy, right? He had two touchdowns last week. He didn't this week. Aaron Jones was that guy last week. He didn't play. So what happened? Jaden Reed responds with a two-touchdown game, and Dontavian Wicks, who, you know, hasn't really done anything yet, comes up with a big TD, catches a pass and tight coverage, coverage, breaks a tackle, and is able to score. Finding ways to win with different guys. I mean, this honestly is a massive success, in my opinion. The two guys... That a response. So week one, we didn't have our number one wide receiver, and it's a question of can we win without it? And we did, and we did it because Aaron Jones and and Romeo Dobbs put the team on their back. The next week, we still don't have those guys. We lose a bunch of other guys, and we lose Aaron Jones, and Romeo Dobbs is effectively neutralized in this game, right? So what do you? So so the question is, can you still find a way? And we're running out of options. There's no run blocking. There's no number one running back. There's no number one wide receiver. They've taken away the number two wide receiver. What are you going to do? And we have Jaden Reed coming up with a two-touchdown game and Dontavian Wicks, a a mid-to-late-round receiver who, you know, had a terrible college season this past year, not massively high um, expectations, comes in to fill in for guys that are not playing, and responds. Luke Musgrave didn't have a massive game, but he, he filled in and... Oh my goodness. Sorry, I got the Dolphins game on. He filled in. He, he did what he needed to do. But that's, that's the thing. Like, can you step up? Jaden Reed did it. Romeo Dobbs did it. Aaron Jones did it. We've done that in two weeks, right? And, and you look at it, and I'm already telling you, there's going to be a Luke Musgrave game. Like, that's going to be a thing. Hopefully we get Watson back and we can see a, a Christian Watson game. You know what I mean? Like, th- this, is, this is important stuff. Now, I wish the freaking defense could do this and have people put the team on his back. And I'm sure there were a couple guys that had good games. I don't... A good game this past week, I don't know. But it is massively encouraging. Then we get to the defense, and we got some pretty ridiculous stats here. Uh, Quay Walker with 17 tackles. Devondre Campbell with 14. That's a lot of tackles. Now, I I haven't seen the PFF grades, but let me just say off the cuff, I like our linebackers. I'm, I'm a little ticked off, just not as much as Quay is, I'm sure, that he didn't get that pick. Bumbo! Um... But look, it's still, at the end of the day, number one, a pass breakup. He just couldn't bring it in. I think the linebackers are playing pretty good football. Now, they might grade out poorly because it's freaking Bijan and they missed some tackles, whatever. I don't know. But man, Quay Walker in week one was elite elite. Then he comes up in this game, he has 17 tackles. I mean, he looks like, he, he just looks solid. Like, he looks decisive, he looks fast. I don't ever worry about him really missing tackles. Just because he's just such a f- solid... I mean, that's what he did in college. That was his whole thing. He's a great tackler. And I think we're starting to see that. And and I think Devondre, for the most part, looks fairly good. I don't notice him as much. Again, I know he gave up a pass to Bijan, which might affect his grade, even though it shouldn't, because it has nothing to do with him. There's no way he could cover that guy. But I, I just... I feel like they're doing a decent job. So 17 tackles and a pass breakup for Quay Walker. 14 tackles for Devondre. Uh, Razul with four tackles and a pick. 
two pass breakups. I'm assuming one of those is the pick. Darnell Savage targeted, uh, excuse me, eight tackles. Kenny Clark, uh, six and a half a sack. Rashawn Gary, also a half a sack. It's, it's kind of crazy to me that there's only just the one sack. There was a lot of pressures early on. It felt like we were just going to terrorize this guy. And then in the second half, everything just went to zero. Absolute, uh, well, it, it's, it's really disappointing. And then on top of that, you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they sacked Fields like six times. We sacked him four times, I think. So it's like, I don't, I don't know. It, it's, it's not as great as I thought. But again, I think the defense was just caught off guard. I think they were doing a great job in the beginning, getting pressure consistently, and then they just they were just lost. They were scared to rush. They were scared to hold the edge. They were scared to drop back. They were scared of everything because everything they did, the offense just did the opposite. It was like they were just reading us like a book. They knew exactly what we were doing, exactly how to attack us. If we did, if we zig, they zag consistently. And and I think the the defense just started to get frustrated and just kind of threw their hands up. They didn't know what to do. Everything they did was wrong. Props to the Falcons. Uh, Falcons offensive coordinators, the play callers, their their game preparation, because they, they were on it, man. They called all the right stuff at the right time, and we did not. Keyshawn Nixon, two kick returns, 55 yards, 27.5 average. His longest was 30 yards, I'll be honest. I do not remember that. Maybe that was the one where they got the stupid camera angle where you cannot tell how far they got. Andres Carlson continues uh, with his 100% streak, just 33 yards, but I'll take it. Also three for three on extra points. Better than uh, Young Wei Koo or whatever his name is. Daniel Whelan Whelan, four punts, 199 yards, 49.8 average. His longest was 59 yards. Team statistics, we got absolutely eviscerated in time of possession. That's what happens when a team can run on you at will. They, they had 36 minutes compared to us at 23. They ran 78 plays compared to our 47, which, you know, that is also part of the problem with the defense. When they've been bleeding you that long, you're getting tired. That's just a reality. You're chasing around running backs over and over and over. Our guys were gassed. It's part of the reason why it's beneficial to get off the field. It's also part of the reason why it's not good to go three and out, back-to-back drives for the offense. Right, you got these long 15, 16, 17 play drives, then three and out, and then you got another 15 play drive, and then the three and out, and then another long drive. Like It's, it's just, that's not going to work. Uh, yards per play, they beat us. Offensive yards, 446 to 224. I mean, not even close. That's one of the things. The Packers have done a great job of, again, just being efficient because we, we never win with anything except scoring. I mean, you look at the statistics, we should have got blown out of this game. But, you know, our defense does a better job of stopping them in the red zone than, than their defense does to our offense. But uh, passing just 56%. They were actually 59%, which isn't a ton better. Passing yards 235 to our 140. Yards per attempt 7.3. We had 5.6. Touchdowns, we had three, they had one. Both teams only had one sack taken. Again, kind of a sucky statistic there. Passer rating, though, 111.7 for Jordan Love, 79.6 for Ritter. Again, every statistic down the line, they played better. But the statistics that matter, (laughs) we did better. And so Jordan Love ends up again with this ridiculously high passer rating. Uh, We had 21 rushes, they had 45 for 211 yards. I mean, it's just freaking ridiculous. We only had 84 yards. We had four yards per carry. They had 4.7. First downs, we had 17. They had 27. Rushing first downs, we had four. They had 15. Third downs, and this is another thing, and we'll get to the advanced stats, but last week we dominated because we were dominant on late downs, not so good on early. Exact opposite this week. We were good on first and second down. We were terrible on third and fourth down. Third down percentage, we were 33%, just 3 of 9. Fourth down, we were 0 for 1. They were 40% on third down and 75% on fourth down. 
Red zone, though, still really high. Two for uh, two of three, that's 67%. They were 40%. Packers continue to just dominate in the red zone. I mean, that is, that is again, that is such an unbelievably important statistic. I don't know how sustainable it is, but if they can keep that up, this will be a formidable team to play. That is really hard to beat a team that's scoring every time they're down there. Um, nothing else massively interesting on the team statistics. Looking at the PFF summary, it says um, it was the... Packers who dominated in the third quarter with Jordan Love throwing two more touchdown passes going to Dentavian Wicks and Jaden Reed again, but Atlanta scored on a six-yard Desmond Ritter run to reduce the deficit to 24-19, then made it 24-22 on a field goal. Offensive spotlight. Jordan Love was solid again for the Packers for much of the game, going 14 of 25, 151 yards, and three touchdowns with no interceptions. He averaged six yards per attempt and added 23 yards on the ground. Through two weeks, Love has now thrown six touchdowns and no interceptions despite dealing with injuries to his top receivers early in the year. However, he was unable to mount a game-winning drive in this one. Now, I don't know what his grade's going to be. It wasn't great last week. However, usually when PFF has you as the offensive spotlight, you're going to have a pretty good grade. So we'll see what happens there. Defensive spotlight. Razul Douglas picked off Desmond Ritter for the first time in the young quarterback's career, adding to an impressive season so far. For the former West Virginia Mountaineer, rookie Lucas Van Ness, who had five pressures a week ago, flashed again in this game and had a tackle for a loss to his name. Again, we gotta, I, I got to double check and see if we have any Lucas Van Ness news. I don't think we do. And then rookie spotlight, rookie receiver Jaden Reed was the story for the Packers with the Michigan State standout, finding the end zone twice on a day when he turned eight targets into four receptions for 37 yards. All right, some of the advanced metrics here. Um, Jordan Love's EPA per play is 0.41. Not as high as his 0.55, but that's still very high. Desmond Ritter, 0.14. Total EPA for Love was 11.7. Ritter, 6.5. Average depth of target, Love, 8.8. Desmond Ritter, 7.4. By the way, his average depth of target is fairly far down the field. You have to assume that if that is reined in a little bit, not saying it needs to be, but, you know, your completion percentage is necessarily going to be lower. Now, granted, this is completion percentage... Uh, compared to expectation so that's kind of factored in but i'm just saying overall completion percentage will probably get better if it wasn't quite so far down the field all the time then you get to the big negative which is cpoe completion uh, percentage over expected whatever the actual definition is now some people hate advanced stats because they went and they'll look it up and they'll be like well this is all these different things and that's a terrible thing it's not a terrible thing People take a very long time and a painstaking process trying to find metrics that have value. And value is very simply, you come up with something, I say simply and now I can't think of how to say it. It's not arbitrary and you can test it. That's the biggest thing. You can look at CPOE and see that it is predictive. What have I said a thousand times? Good stats are predictive. Stats that can only tell you the past and can't tell you the future are worth nothing. It's why it's not a stat. But when I look at three drop passes compared to can't stop the run, I couldn't give a crap about or the, the two dropped interceptions. I don't give a crap about that. That tells me nothing about the future. These are completely random data points. Being able to stop, not being able to stop the run is a problem that I have in terms of how I feel about our future. That's why it means more to me. Yes, the, the, the picks maybe were more impactful in this game, but it has no bearing on how good or bad our, our team is overall, and, and, and my thoughts on this going forward. Unless you assume that there's going to be a, a bevy of passes hitting defenders in the chest, and there's some kind of a, a thing where our guys are just uniquely bad at this, despite the fact that there's no real evidence to, to show that. These are random effects. These are random occurrences. It had massive impact on this game. It has no impact on my opinion of our defense overall. 
CPOE is is similar. It's it is a statistic that correlates highly with the quality of a passer. So there you go. Um, success rate: Falcons seventy nine percent, Packers seventy four percent. Not terrible. Plays that started with a rush, the Packers were down to just sixty percent. The Falcons were eighty seven point five passing, eighty five percent compared to the Falcons seventy two point two percent. Where was the failure here on offense? It was running. When we started a series running the ball, the series ended in failure. When we started with passing, and by the way, passing is Jordan Love, beat up offensive line, missing wide receivers don't have your, your number one running back. That offense, when that offense passes, 85% of the time when you start a series with a pass, it was successful. Then, looking even further, EPA per play, overall 0.19 per play. Passing, 0.41, rushing, negative 0.12. The failure in this game was running the ball. Couldn't do it. Offensive line running backs combined for garbage. Success rate, running the ball 45%, passing 55%. First downs, uh, running the ball just 20% of the time, passing the ball 45% of the time we converted first down. Early down success rate, um, with uh, 0.36 EPA per play, 0.73 passing. When we pass the ball on first and second down, the success rate was through the freaking roof. Running the ball, negative 0.07. Success rate, 56% overall, first and second down. When we passed on first and second down, we were successful 67% of the time. Rushing was 44% of the time. First down percentage, on when we got first downs on first and second down, 52% while passing, 17% running. Then you get into the late downs, and this is where failure massively occurred. And again, exact opposite of last week. And, and, and as I said... This is the kind of stuff you can't expect to be reproducible. And that's what scares me about our team. It's stuff, the things that are good are things that you can't expect to continue to happen. Dominating on third and fourth down. Dominating in the red zone. Maybe you can continue that, but it's tough. A, a 11%, I don't even know what his percentage is. I think last year, uh, last week, it was like an 11% touchdown percentage. So like once every 10, 9 passes, he's throwing a touchdown. That's, the next highest was like 7%. And it was a fluky high one there too. Anyways, uh, third and fourth down, EPA per play was a negative 0.47. Running the ball, negative 0.54. Passing, negative 0.45. I mean, there was nothing good here at all. Success rate when we ran on third and fourth down, just 30%. And actually, it was worse uh, pa uh, passing than running on, on late down. 50% running the ball, 25% passing the ball. First downs, 50% rushing the ball, 25%, because yeah, that is a success on third and fourth down. So not super fantastic. And then looking at these same metrics, but um, all the other players, EPA per play, they actually had Patrick Taylor was by far the worst, followed by A.J. Dillon, followed slow, closely by Wilson, but they were all um, they were all negative. Success rates, Wilson 50%, Dillon 47%, Patrick Taylor 0 Then um, looking at the receivers, the highest, I thought for a second I was looking at week one. I was like, what, what the heck? Apparently, Romeo Dobbs, 1.28 as far as EPA per play, but uh, part of that probably just has to do with him not playing a ton, I guess. Not sure. But it's Romeo Dobbs, then Duntavian Wicks, then it's uh, actually A.J. Dillon as a receiver, then Jaden Reed. That doesn't seem right. He had, he had two touchdowns. Uh, our first down guy was Romeo Dobbs. That might have a big part to do with it. 75% first down percentage, 60% for Duntavian Wicks, and then 50 for Deguara and Torre, and down from there. It's also worth, no worth noting another really solid quarterback metric is adjusted net yards per attempt, and Jordan Love is very, very good. Um, I'm going to post this on Twitter right now, but 
if you look at those two, and I, it's somewhat cherry-picking, but again, they're very good metrics. The, the, the only thing that he's really struggling in is the completion stuff. But a lot of the other advanced metrics, EPA per play and adjusted yards, net yards per attempt, he is the number two quarterback in football behind only Tua. If you use that metric, EPA per play and adjusted net yards per attempt, right now Tua is just dominating the league. Then there's a gap, and it's Jordan Love followed kind of closely by Stafford. Then another gap, and it's basically everybody else down from there with Daniel Jones just picking at the bottom, although I don't think week two is probably kicked in for Daniel Jones yet. Anyways, why don't we take our final break? We'll come back and uh, dig into some of these press conferences. Well, I'm going to start this off with uh, Matt LaFleur at the podium and uh, just give you his opening remarks because you can tell right off the bat he's pissed off. Well, it was a hard-fought game, very physical. Uh, We knew it was going to be just that. And obviously very disappointed that when you have a 12-point lead in the second half and you don't make the plays that, um, and don't play complimentary football, and then when you have mistakes, all those get magnified. And so uh, disappointed. you got to give credit to Atlanta. They battled uh, and did a better job than us, obviously. And yes, unfortunately, I have everything cranked up as high as it can go, and that is as loud as I can make it. I don't know why the Green Bay Packers suck so much, or the NFL or whatever sucks so much at just getting basic volume levels figured out but again he's he's ticked it's it's like we we had a lead and we just kept making freaking mistakes and then we lost the game so way to go atlanta congrats but freaking i'm not happy this um it's hard to kind of characterize what exactly the question is but it, it's is this sort of the learning curve of i thought the question would be of young players making mistakes but he kind of pinned it all on jordan so Matt LaFleur kind of goes in and I guess gives his assessment of Jordan based on the way the question was phrased. Yeah, I mean, like, to be honest with you, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? The last possession, we had three runs. We had a third and looked like about a half yard, and we came up short. So, um, you know, you'd hate to – I thought he was playing really well, and I thought he did a lot of great things. I thought he showed great poise, made some off-schedule plays, made the throws when they needed to be made, made great decisions, took, did a good job taking care of the football. So there was a lot of positives from that. I think that, you know, um, quite frankly, I wish we had, had more opportunities for him. So, I mean, that, that is good to hear. I mean, granted, we, we heard – there were, there were times last year where, remember, there was defend the quarterback at all costs. And there were times where I'd, we'd all kind of sit there and go, I'm not so sure. So it's entirely possible that he's, he's um, you know, not being, I don't want to say he's being untruthful, because Jordan did play well, but there were some mistakes. It's possible that it's, we're, we're, we'll talk about that in private. According to you, as far as you need to know, he was great. But it is still great to hear because, you know, he's not afraid to come out and say, you know, we, we got to do better with this. We got to do better with that. And, and I think he's right, by the way. I mean, again, one of the things that's really weird and it does, yeah, I, I don't personally really notice it until afterward. You look at the statistics, it's like, man, we, we just didn't do anything. And he mentioned just not really giving him a lot of opportunities. And, you know, part of that is the game just got away from us. You know, we are a semi-run heavy team, but also the, the other team just dominated time of performance. So it's just Jordan just doesn't get a ton of opportunities i guess he seems to do okay with the ones that he gets and and it seems like whenever he completes a pass it's it's always a massive deal because <laughs> he doesn't complete a lot but yet you know again epa per play it's either a first down a 15 yard pass a touchdown but um you know again it's it's just good it's it's kind of working these things in it's going back and looking at it and saying you know jordan's doing a good job how do we get him more opportunities i guess concern for elton's knee 
concern. Anytime a guy goes out of the game and doesn't isn't able to finish, there's there's concern. That was it. Um, I will say, the only thing, the last thing I saw was they were concerned about an I think an MCL sprain. And, um, you know, obviously you can't 100% trust Google, but every source I saw said the exact same thing. And it was in reference to NFL players, not just random Joes who don't do anything about stuff. If it is like a grade one, or maybe it's the opposite, I don't know. I'm I'm guessing one is the most minor, then minimum three weeks, or you'd expect around three weeks. So we, we likely lost him for at least three weeks, which sucks really hard. The worst that I saw, and again, we don't even know that that's what it was, but the worst I saw was 12 weeks, which is basically the season. I mean, he would come back at the very end. Now, that was extreme, and I only saw that in one spot. The other ones I saw, like if it's a grade three, it's like four to, or uh, what was it? Yeah, like four to six weeks or something like that. So six was kind of the end. So I don't know what it is with this between six and 12 gap, but I would guess... Assuming that assessment is correct, we're talking about somewhere between three to six weeks. Then there's this. This is not my favorite thing. So Bakhtiari, was that uh, a turf decision? Yeah, no. I, don't, I, I mean, we all know that Dave's been dealing with this, and so, no. So, Basically just saying we're not talking about this. Could this be a thing where he doesn't play in any game? Uh, you guys, I, I'm not going to get into that. Like, we all know this has been... This is two years now, so I'm not going to get into it. It's probably going to be like this from here on out. Yeah. Um, listen, I, I don't want to just flat out accuse Bakhtiari or the team for allowing him to sit, but this is not an, an, a normal way to answer a question. He is perturbed. He is uncomfortable. He really doesn't want to talk about this. It would be extremely easy to just squash this. They're obviously implying that he made the decision to not play because of the turf. This would have been a great opportunity if that's not the case, and I wish he would have, because I don't want to believe that it's true. This would be a great opportunity for Matt LaFleur to simply say, that is ridiculous. If David Bakhtiari is able to play, he will be on the field. You all know he has a knee injury. He wasn't good to go. This is, this is based on medical staff. It would have been the same thing if he was playing on, on grass. But instead, he said, I'm not talking about this. I have no choice now but to speculate. I have no choice. And, and, the spec- and, and when, when people brought this up, I thought it was absurd. The idea that David Bakhtiari would freaking abandon his team because of some freaking protest that he's on about we shouldn't have to play on this turf, so everybody else has to go out there and fight, but you get to just sit out because you're on some holy roller trip. If, if that's true, if he made the decision unilaterally, unilaterally to play to not play because of some kind of a protest, that freaking pisses me off to no end. And somebody else made the comment, if Rodgers was out there, he would have played. And you know what? That's 100,000% true. Again, assuming that is the case, no way in the world would he abandon Aaron Rodgers out there. But he did leave uh, Jordan Love out to dry. He left the rest of the offensive linemen out to dry. He left Aaron Jones, uh, A.J. Dillon out to dry. He flipped them the middle finger because he didn't want to do it because he wants to send some kind of a statement and he wants to preserve his own leg. Bull crap. That that freaking better not be true. And and if this team allowed it, that's that's absolutely absurd. You do not get to decide to just sit out games. Do you know how much your value plummets if you forfeit games that are played on artificial uh, artificial grass? 
Your value goes right through the floor. You're already old and broke down, and now you're, you're telling me you're going to sit out games? I really, I'll, I'll tell you right now, if that's not true, and, he, and Matt LaFleur didn't address it, he did a massive, massive disservice to David Bakhtiari. And David Bakhtiari needs to come out and address it. He's on Twitter 24-7. Come on Twitter, David, and say that's bullcrap. I would have been out there on freaking concrete if the doctors would have let me go. I would never abandon my team. I would never abandon my quarterback. I will be out there every single time that the doctors clear me, but I wasn't cleared. Somebody needs to come out and say that, and nobody wants to do it. I, I, again, I shot this down when I first heard it because I thought there's no way he's going to do that. And even if he wants to, there's no way the team would allow him to do that. And here we are. And he didn't play, and I thought, well, that's really suspicious, and it's a heck of a coincidence, but I still, there's no way. He must have just not been okay. And then I hear people saying, Matt LaFleur said we're not talking about it, and they left it alone. And immediately I just thought, you've got to be kidding me. Beyond, beyond unacceptable. You can't just be forfeiting games because maybe he gets hurt. No kidding, maybe he gets hurt. We needed you in this game that we lost by one point. We could have lost our quarterback because we didn't have a left tackle. Does that carry any value? Does Jordan Love carry any value? Do we want to protect him? Isn't that the entire reason left tackles get paid astronomical amounts of money? It's not because anyone gives a crap about you. It's because of the value you bring in protecting the quarterback. I, I just, I, I, please, please, if, if there is some kind of a correction out there, if any coach, any player, anywhere made any kind of a statement saying that these accusations are ridiculous, please send it to me because I'm pissed. And again, if that's not true, Matt LaFleur did a massive disservice by answering the question this way. Just answer the question, Matt. You're being evasive. No, no, no. You know he has a leg issue. That's not the question. You know he's got an ongoing problem. Okay, so are you saying that it was because he was not cleared because he had some kind of a recurring issue with his knee? That something came up with his knee? Like, what happened? To my knowledge, nothing has happened to his knee. What happened to his knee? We're not talking about it. Okay, great. Well, then you're kind of answering my question, aren't you? Then there's a question about A.J. Dillon. Specifically, basically, has he gained weight because he doesn't look as explosive? I mean, a couple of years ago, then he, then he has this. No, he weighs the same as he did a couple of years ago. Seemed like the same player to you? Yeah, I, I, mean, I got to go back and, and watch it. Certainly, I think there was a couple runs that... He seemed to be stumbling a little bit, and uh, but there were some other runs where I thought he did a great job of dropping his pads. It's never just one thing. I mean, it, it, it just depends on the play, how well the play is blocked, if it was a good call versus what whatever the look may be. So there's enough um, blame, if you will, to go to, to all of us collectively. And again, I, and, and I, I really think... As much as I, my stance really now is, you know, I need to see more from A.J. Dillon, I do think the fan base is way more negative than they should be. And I think if everybody was forced to go back and rewatch the game, like from the end zone cam, the all 22, the opinion would change. Because if you saw what I watched last week, and many of you probably have, although it wasn't maybe as good as we want it to be, and yes, tripping all over the place is freaking annoying, you, you very quickly realize that he's... I mean, as I, as I said before, I, I actually think when I watched week one, he looked better than last year in, in terms of certain things. Like he said, pad level, um, his shiftiness, his decisiveness, following your blocks, all that stuff. Like he's, he's doing those things. There's just, there's nowhere for him to go. However, when you talk about a multitude of factors in terms of things not working, Dylan is a part of that. 
Then the quote of the day, Matt LaFleur was asked about uh, why were the Falcons able to run so successfully against you? And, and again, Matt LaFleur is beyond annoyed. And, and maybe that's why he answered the Bakhtiari thing the way he did. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm trying to give him an out here. Um, it, it's, it, he, it wasn't maybe the best answer because he's just freaking annoyed and he doesn't want to answer what he deems to be stupid questions. Gave them some other opportunity. I mean, yeah. They saw it. They shredded us. Consistently. That's how it ended. That, 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 and again, very short, very annoyed answers that he gave. But you guys saw it. They shredded us consistently. He's pissed at how the defense performed. As he should be. The question, though, is, and this is a thing we're not going to get an answer on, what's the problem? Now, may, maybe we will a little bit. Because, again, remember last year, all the coaches were speaking in unison that essentially the players were not doing their jobs. Maybe that's the answer we're going to get. But here's the thing. I don't re- honestly care about that. The, the real question and the real answer we need is, what are you going to do to fix it? Well, the players aren't doing what they're supposed to do. So are we screwed then? Are we screwed? Do we just throw up our hands and go, well, hopefully next week they start doing better? Are we going to do anything different? Or, are we, or do we have to bust out the old dictionary definition which isn't actually the dictionary definition, but the dictionary definition of insanity. You know, the one doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. What are you going to do differently that is going to fix this problem? Because we can't just say, Joe's doing a great job, he's calling all the right plays, and the defenders, they they just don't know what they're doing, so that sucks. That ain't a solution to the problem, man. I mean, is it, is it we just need to get rid of everybody? All the first-round picks, just dump them? Get rid of Jair, get rid of Razul, get rid of uh, Rashawn, get rid of Lucas Van Ness, and just bring in some different guys? Get rid of Preston, get rid of Kenny, get rid of Wyatt, get rid of Quay and Campbell? Because they're just, they're just not getting it. They're just not you know doing what I tell them to do properly. Is that what we have to do? Because we've got a hodgepodge on offense, and they seem to be making it work. And to me, that's, that's a good coaching job. When, you, when you're missing key players and you can still have success, and then the two guys that you had success with basically are eliminated from this game, and you find a new way to have success, that is a coach doing a good job putting players that are not necessarily peak elite athletes, right? We have issues on the offensive line, and the coaches made it work. We have issues at wide receiver and tight end youth inexperience etc the coaches made it work we have issues at quarterback and the and and the coaches made it work a good coach can take a bad group of players and make them look good a piece of crap coach takes a talented group of players and makes them look like crap but i don't expect anything to change i really don't it's, it's the same bull crap we've dealt with year after year after year at the end of the day, Joe Barry's going to get fired after this year. It's going to be way too late. Probably should have been fired two years ago. He's going to end up getting fired after this year. And you know what? We're going to get somebody else. And you know what? We're going to get excited about this guy because he's either really high energy or he's really low energy. Or he's really serious or he's really funny. Or he's going to bring them together or he's going to ice it. You know, the, the, whatever his attributes are, we're going to gush over those attributes just like we did for Joe Barry. That was going to be so... Well, actually, everybody hated Joe Barry. But he had the scheme and all that stuff. Just like we do with Mike Pedden. Oh, look at his DVOA. He's never had a bad defense. He's great. He's mean. Look at him. He's scary. That sucked. I don't want to be defeatist. I'm just freaking sick of it. I'm sick of continuing to do stupid stuff and just riding it out and saying everything's going to be fine. And it's just not, I mean, this is unacceptable, dude. It's unacceptable. And, and at the end of the day, look, I, I, 
the reason I really want a new defensive coordinator at this point is because, again, this is not our year. And the offense is going to need a little work. They need some time together. We may need to, to upgrade our offensive line a little bit. You know, Bakhtiari is going to be moving on. Maybe need to do some work on the interior. Probably need to figure out this running back situation. Maybe need tight end wide receiver help. I'm not entirely sure. But, we, we, you know, we need a little work. We need a little time. Give it, give it 2024, 2025, maybe 2026 when we're like at full speed. We also need a defense that's at full speed at that point. And we're not going anywhere with this group. We're not doing anything. We, we've got talent coming out of our freaking ears, and we're not doing anything with it. I don't know how we have a defense full of guys that look good. I thought Wyatt looked good. I thought Quay looked good. I thought Devondre looked good. I mean, Razul got punked a couple times. I mean, I don't know what you're supposed to do when you got a guy sticking his hand in your chest, pushing off and catching touchdown passes. Apparently, it's just, that's just, you just suck, I guess, if that happens. But yeah, Jair had a bad day, but I mean, he's, he's obviously a talented guy. He just struggles against six foot five freaking monsters that push you out of the way and then catch passes. Razul looks good. Like, I, I, I like these guys. They look good. They play fast. They play strong. Savage. I mean, he should have had that pick. I don't know what that, I don't know what that ridiculous leap was. But aside from that, he's cleaning up, man. He's smoking people. Like, these, they look good, but yet they can't do stuff. I don't know how I can look at the defense and go, I feel like everybody did a pretty good job. Like, Jair, yeah, it was, a, it was an off day for him. But for the most part, pretty solid. I mean, if, if all we have to say is one corner had a bad day. Well, wow. You mean like every defense in the NFL every single week? Of course, one guy had a bad day. But it's just, it's just constant and consistent. And like, I just... We gotta do something else, man. I don't know what I don't know what to do. Maybe we could chalk it up to Atlanta's secretly elite. I don't know, but I'm I'm just so exhausted with it. I'm excited about the offense. I'm excited that despite the lack of talent, the lack of experience, whatever it is, the coaches find a way to make it work, and they have been exceptional for two weeks in a row. When there is no expectation, there should have been no expectation for that to occur. It did occur. Congratulations to Matt Lafleur and to Adam Stenovich, and to uh, Butkiss for getting the offensive line ready to go. Congratulations to the wide receivers coach. Maybe not so much the running back coach, I don't know. The tight ends coach for getting, uh, you know, young guys ready to go, Musgrave and whatnot. Well done. Round of applause. Give those men a raise. Defense and the defensive coaches and the defensive coordinator, what the F are you doing? What are you doing? Why does it always look so hard? Always. I'm just, I'm just... It's one week, it's one game, maybe it gets better, I don't know, I'm just freaking tired of it. Uh, moving on to Jordan Love, I won't play, but basically on the sneak, he says that he he messed up the operation, something about the cadence he didn't quite get right or whatever, the offensive line, I mean, you could tell, they weren't ready for it, but apparently he made a check, and we heard it from Matt LaFleur, I don't know if I played it, but Matt LaFleur said they were giving him the option, if he felt like he could get it, so Jordan felt like he could get it, he sent some kind of a signal, it was either the wrong signal or what, I don't know, but... Um, you got messed up. Yes, Jordan Love, what do you take out of this game? What are your takeaways? Yeah, um, you know, I think it just comes down to execution and, and being better in the fourth quarter um, and being able to you know, play a full game. Um, and I think we just we didn't execute well enough in the fourth quarter. Um, weren't able to move the ball and convert third down, so uh, that's really what hurt us. I mean, that pretty obvious, pretty straightforward, and, and, and it is an important thing, playing four quarters. And that's tough for every team, by the way. But it's, it's an important thing. It's, it, it, my mind immediately goes to the Patriots. Why do the Patriots, when they were so dominant, win so often? It's consistency. I mean, a lot of it is. It's not making mistakes. It's playing for four quarters. It's just being disciplined. 
And it wasn't anything massively amazing. It was mostly just if we can be consistent, if we can play four quarters, if we can not beat ourselves, odds are they're going to beat themselves. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to turn the ball over. They're going to miss that throw. They're going to do those little things, and, and we're going to come out with the win. Now, granted, there were some big plays by Brady and Gronk and all the guys, and the defenses were solid, but that was largely the philosophy. And it kind of reminds me of what I've been saying here as far as like if we can continue to be good on third down and fourth down and in the red zone, that's going to be massive for us. Not all plays are equal, you know. 15-yard play on third and 20 and a 15-yard play on, you know, first and 10 from the opponent's 15, not exactly equal. But yeah, I mean, just coming up clutch when it matters, trying to play four quarters, they got to get there. They didn't. And, and no, it wasn't just the defense. It was the offense too. I mean, Jordan Love looked like he just buckled. It is what it is. I also kind of like this answer. Um, essentially, why didn't you target Romeo? What, what were they doing? On, uh, who, on Romeo? Um, nothing much. I mean, they, they're just playing their regular defense on him. Um, it's not like they were doubling him or anything like that. Um, but I mean, other guys were, were making plays out there, and that's kind of where the ball was going. Um, so, yeah. so essentially, the answer is what? Nothing wrong with Romeo. Other guys were just winning. I like that. Guys are just stepping up, man. I looked and Jaden Reed was open, so I threw it to him. No need to overanalyze that. <laughs> people are getting so pissy about what I said about Aaron Rodgers. You can't mention Aaron Rodgers without people just having an absolute panic attack. It's so freaking ridiculous. <laughs> everybody's so sad it's not a comparison to aaron Rodgers, you bunch of sensitive sissies good lord all i said was that if rogers had scored 24 points in this game it would have been a positive thing it's perspective it's a good thing that's what i said don't you dare compare to aaron Rodgers. oh get medicated you freaking moron you can't even try to provide some kind of perspective to just be like look this was a good performance if you really think about it being down two of your offensive linemen, your best offensive linemen, being down your wide receiver, having another wide receiver taken away, or just not being a big part of it, I guess, and your running back being taken away, scoring 24 points is a good thing. The only purpose of Rodgers is to provide the additional context. It's just a way of saying, think about it. What if, I mean, do you think Rodgers would have done better than 24? Probably not. Not because he's bad, because 24 points isn't bad. Calm down, little girl. It's not a negative. Oh my good lord, it's just, it's so freaking exhausting. I can't say anything ever without people crying 24-7. It's so ridiculous. I, I, somebody even asked me, well, why'd you say Rodgers? Well, I could have said Pat Mahomes, but I'm talking to a Packers audience, you freaking moron. If I said, think about it, do you think Pat Mahomes would have done more than 24? You go, I don't know, maybe. I'm not a Pat Mahomes fan. I'm not a Chiefs fan. I haven't watched every single Pat Mahomes game. It's just a, it's a familiar way of changing your way of thinking and going, oh yeah, actually Rodgers getting 24 points probably would have been right. That sounds about right. So that's a good thing. It's just, oh my good Lord. I'm so sick of these sensitive freaking people. I, I, I really want to just start talking about Rodgers every single day. Just, just to freaking piss these people off. I'm just going to talk about Rodgers every day. 
And and every every time I talk about Jordan Love, I'm just going to say, oh, and by the way, Rodgers couldn't have done that, which isn't what I said here. But I'm going to start saying it. You know what I mean? I'm just going to troll the living crap out of out of these Rodgers defending Packer fans because that's the fight they want to have. I'm not even fighting with you, and you're picking a fight. Then screw you. You want to have a fight? Let's have a fight. Every single thing I do from now on, I'm going to post. If I post a graph of Jordan Love saying good game, I'm going to post a graph of of Rodgers in that same time frame last year and just how much he sucks. And just be like, look, he's better than Rodgers. Not because it's true, but just because, you know what, if this is what you want, if this is what you think I'm saying, if this is the fight you want to have, then let's have this fight. Because you're so desperate to have this argument. Read what I wrote, you idiot. Good lord. People tick me off, man. They, they don't read what you wrote. They just, see, they, they just see love, they see Rodgers, and they go off the rails. It's not a comparison. It's not a slam on Aaron Rodgers. It was a good performance. That's it. That's the point. Frickin' reading comprehension of a brain-dead orangutan. Anyways. Anyways, the rest of that, honestly, I could have played some of it, but it really is just Jordan kind of repeating the same thing, right? Like, we gotta go back to the tape, we gotta clean some stuff up, you know, I missed this play, we were on on the same page, etc., etc., we gotta go back, we gotta go back, we gotta go back. And that's true. Young team, man, you gotta go clean it up. Is it good enough? No. You know, especially down the stretch. And, and again, that the one thing I will put squarely on Jordan's shoulders is that he did have an opportunity, you know, and he, he did miss Romeo. I mean, that, that, that's one, you know, again, I'm not trying to compare them to Rodgers, but it's the only frame of reference we have. It's, it's not trying to pick a fight with anybody, but it's just it's what we know as far as quarterback standard. Now I'm going to piss off all the people on the other side of, the, of this. Rodgers probably would have hit that. Maybe not in 2022, but, you know, if, if we're trying to elevate the standard of what he can be and saying we're going to go from game manager to something bigger than that, these are the moments, right? I mean, red zone's huge. Critical downs are huge. All these things are great. But another really big characteristic, we see it with Pat Mahomes, saw it with Tom Brady, saw it with Aaron Rodgers. These guys, it comes down to, in these clutch situations, can you make those plays? And... In that moment, it got too big. I'm not saying it's game over, close the books, find a new quarterback, all right? I, 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 just, I know most of you get this, but some people fly off the freaking handles anytime I say anything. It's simply stating that that is sort of the next step, which is, it, it, it's not a bad thing to say, like, you've, you've gotten to that point where that's your next step, but it is. We need to see sort of the special. We've seen the good. We've seen a lot of good. We haven't really seen the special. And, and one of a very special thing is just the chips are down, you're losing, momentum's not on your side, hostile environment, loud environment, guys are hurt, you know, I mean, everybody's defeated. Can you put the team on your back? And we saw, you know, he, he made the wrong call and they didn't convert on fourth down because he went plowing ahead and nobody knew what the heck he was doing because he messed that up. He missed Romeo Dot. You know what I mean? Like that. So that's, and again, that's kind of where I look at this, and offense and defense are very different for me. That's where I look at this and go, 2023 is probably not it. You know, the, the, the injuries kind of pushed me over the edge, and we'll see. Maybe, maybe you guys will be back healthy very soon. Christian could be back. Jones could be back. Uh, Bakhtiari could be back. Maybe we just don't have Elton Jenkins, and then we're relatively healthy. But I'm just saying, you kind of get the feeling where it's like, there's a lot of good here. I just don't think we're quite ready. The defense is, you guys should be ready, but you're not either, so that's fine. I guess we'll all just coast. And then we'll try to figure this all out, you know, next next year, I guess. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, if they continue this way, and it, honestly, it doesn't matter if Joe Barry isn't to blame. He's going to get fired. And it, it might not be his fault. I don't know. But if the defense continues playing this way, he cannot keep his job. There's just no scenario where that happens. So they, they got to figure that out, too. But 
it's about it, man. I think it's I think it's a positive thing. Um, you know, defense. Maybe they bounce back. I don't know. They they absolutely could. And and I and I, again, I do think this is like worst possible case scenario for the way our our a lot of this is matchup. And as far as matchups go, teams with strong offensive lines and really talented running backs that like to run the ball a lot, that's like worst case scenario for us. It really is. And then you add in, you know, big physical tight ends and receivers. Not great, Bob. I mean, the Bears should have been a lot tougher than they were, but they kind of didn't really get the run game going. They did a decent enough job containing Justin Fields, and I mean decent enough. But um, I don't know. It is what it is. It's a one-point loss, you know? One-point loss with some pretty devastating losses on a very young team. So, I mean, the, the biggest thing might just be that they got to keep that right mentality. Uh, there was a, a tweet, I think, by Ryan Wood. I don't exactly remember, but they in the locker room, he made a comment, something to the effect of, like all the guys were huddled together each group was huddled together wide receivers and the offensive line and all that and rather than just being kind of a thing where everybody's just sitting at their locker or taking off all their stuff kind of just you know you know moping or being upset just trying to gather themselves they're getting together and they're talking like everybody was doing that like what what did we do like what were you doing like we you know trying to figure out basically like jordan's been saying we got to get back into the film room we got to figure this out they wanted to start immediately like right now we got to figure this out what did we do what did we do wrong what could we have done that's a great thing and to some extent considering there's probably going to be a lot of rough patches it's probably better to have the right perspective than the wrong one and i think to some degree the wrong perspective would be world better watch out we're gonna we're gonna take over you don't know what's coming because when reality smacks you in the mouth and you lose start losing a couple games you things can unravel right my my interpretation of reality is just completely distorted and now i'm going to get depressed if your mentality more so is we're going to be a force to be reckoned with but we you know we, we got to put in the work and it all starts with the work and and i mean that that's a great mentality because if you win it's a result of the work if you lose it means we need to do more work we don't need to get super hung up in in fake rah-rah stuff although that can be nice at times anyways i've gotten to the point now where i'm just rambling we're at over an hour. I should probably go to bed. You guys have a good rest of your day. We'll take a look at what PFF had to say. Hopefully we got some more good news. Find out who shined, who did not. I'm going to have to go back and watch A.J. Dillon again because I'm just curious. Um, I think if I can ever remember anything, I got to hit up Patreon. I got some questions for you. Namely, who would you like me to watch? Like, just, we need more context. How did this person do? What the heck happened? Um... I'm not going to be able to watch everybody. I tried last week. I was like, maybe I'll do the grades thing. And I started. I'm like, man, this is just such a massive undertaking. I'm just not doing it. So we got to pick a few people. So anyways, have a good night. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs>